invite you to pull your notes out for today's message if you'd like to do that. You know, the, uh, the first chapter of the book of John carries some of the most powerful scriptural truths that are found in all of God's Word. Let me just read the first five verses of, of the John's Gospel, chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What is the point of those first five verses of John chapter 1? Simply this, to introduce you to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is woven all through those verses. Our first glimpse of God, the Son, came the night of the first Christmas. He was born in a stable that was filled with cattle and donkeys and sheep. We know that his parents were just peasants living under Roman occupation. And those who witnessed his birth that night were just sheep herders. At first appearance, he was just an ordinary baby, just one among many born in Israel. But you make a grave mistake today if you think that this baby was ordinary. Because this child was not just one newborn amongst many hundreds or thousands. 
And that is why before he tells us anything that Jesus did, John, the apostle, tells us who Jesus was. And this is what he says, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. That little phrase of verse 1 is packed with powerful truth. Two of them I want to highlight for you this morning. First of all, that Jesus is God's voice to the world. You don't have to look for his voice any, anywhere else. You don't have to look for his voice in a prophet. You don't have to look for his voice to any other person. Jesus is God's voice to the world today. That's why he is called in this verse, the Word. By calling Jesus the Word, John was saying that Jesus is God's revelation to us today. You want to know what God thinks? You want to know how God would live if he were here on earth? You want to know what God would say? Look and listen to Jesus. He is God's voice on earth. Secondly, it tells us that Jesus didn't start as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. What John is telling us in this simple little verse is that this child had no beginning of his own. And that's why he says, in the beginning. In the beginning, Jesus already was. When other things were beginning, he already existed. The Living Bible, I think, puts it so beautifully when it says, before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. This is the words eternity. How is it possible that Jesus would be eternal? It's because he is God. He is not just another human baby. This baby is uniquely different. He is God. And so John goes on to say then in verse 1 that this word was with God. Here is the word's personality. Yes, he's God, but he's distinct from God. He's unique from God. He's, he's separate from God. He is in an eternal relationship with the Father, and yet he is distinct and equal to the Father. The next statement of verse 1 reveals that truth. It says, and the Word was God. So the Word was with God, but the Word was also God himself. Here's the Word's deity. Though he is distinct from the Father, he is not created. He is not a creature. He is not created, nor is he the firstborn son in the sense that he is somehow inferior in position to the Father. He is not a creature of the Father or a created being. He is divine himself as is the Father. That's why Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that we talked about so much last week, would call him Emmanuel, God with us. Not a prophet, not a philosopher, not a religion maker. God is with us. And so he's not just a really good man who said some really good things, but unfortunately was killed by uh, experienced a tra tragic early death in his life. He is God with us and everything he did, even his death was a part of a divine plan for you and me. So before you are amazed at his miracles, 
Be amazed at who Jesus is. Verse number three, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Here is the word creating. And so it reveals to us that here is God's hand extended in every act of creation that the Father ever performed. Everything that was made was made through Jesus Christ. And so this is scriptural proof, at least in my mind, that Jesus is not himself one of the Father's creation. If he is the creator, he is not the creation. In fact, he is so much so the creator that John emphatically says, without him, nothing was made that has been made. Everything that exists was the result of Jesus being God's hand extended into the world of creation. Verse number four, it goes on to say, in him was life. Here is the word animating. Here is the word giving forth life. Jesus brings life to everything he touches. That absolutely excites me to no end. No matter where you are, what you're going through, what you're living with today, I want you to know no matter how dead your life may seem, the track of your life, Jesus brings life to everything that he touches. Hallelujah. And so we go back to the Garden of Eden in the beginning. And on the ground, there, there lies the form of a man. His, his name is Adam. He's the first man. And the Bible says he was fully formed. And he could have functioned fully at that time, but he had no life within him. So Genesis tells us that God breathed into the nostrils of the, of the man that God had formed. And he breathed into him the breath of life. And Adam became a living soul. So that day, Jesus didn't just create life. He didn't just create Adam. He gave Adam life as well. You know, as, as a race of people, we can create a lot of things. Some of the things we create are wonderful. They're amazing. They're mind-boggling. But we are limited. We cannot bring life into anything. If life doesn't already exist... We can sometimes coax it back into full expression. If, if, for instance, an individual has a heart attack, we can coax that life back into them if we get to them soon enough. But the life already existed before we got there. If there is no life there, we cannot create life in, uh, to anything that we touch. But Jesus brings life to everything that he touches, and that includes you and me. Your life is not so far gone that he cannot bring you back. Hallelujah. You're not so far addicted that Jesus can't set you free. You're not so sick that he can't heal your body. You're not so far gone spiritually that Jesus won't forgive you. Life in all of its forms is a gift from Jesus Christ. The baby that is born was born in that manger. Verse 4, and that life was light, the light of mankind. This is the word revealing. The word revealing. Light reveals what the darkness hides. And one of the ways that God light, God's light touches all people, all of us, is the sense that we all have of eternity within us. 
Most people will tell you that they can sense within them that this life is not all there is. That comes as a gift from God. It comes through the light of God shining into our hearts, letting us know that life here on this earth is not all there is. There is eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says it emphatically. God has put eternity into our hearts. That's his gift. This sense that this life is not all there is. It comes from his spirit revealing the light of eternity into the darkness of our hearts. And that gives us the ability then to prepare for what is to come by getting our lives right with God. And then as we go down further into the chapter, verse number 14 of chapter 1, John wraps it all up by telling us that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And here is the word incarnate, the word made flesh. God, you can reach out and touch him. You can see him. I was talking with a brother just after the first service who said, I'm so amazed at that. He said, you know, had, had Jesus come as a king, had he come as some high official, he said, people like me would have never felt like we could have touched him, that would have, we could have come to him, but he came as a baby in a manger, in a low condition, amongst poor people, in occupied Palestine. He came into that environment to let me know that even though I'm of low estate, I can still come to him. I share all of this with you today to let you know that this baby whose birth we are about to celebrate is more than, than just another among billions who have been born to the human race. He is uniquely different and he's uniquely suitable to be God's answer to a world that's gone crazy and a world that's gone wild. But it's the reference in all of these verses to Jesus as light that I wanna focus on this morning. There are, there are two polar opposites that are given to us in life, in nature. We have darkness and we have light. In the natural, darkness can be both beneficial and it can be terrifying. It's beneficial when you want to go to sleep. The darker, the better. You like that. But it can be terrifying when something goes bump in the night and you hear it, but you can't see it. And you conjure up all kinds of images in your mind as to what might be happening around you. Biblically, though, darkness is always connected to that which is evil. In fact, Satan himself is referred to in the scripture as the power of darkness. And, and depending on, on the hearts of people, people can either love the darkness or they love the light. I see it all the time in this church. People who will come for a period, for a season. And then you don't see them and you ask about them and, oh, they're not going to church anymore. Why is that? It's because they love the darkness. They, they tried out there. You don't try the light. You don't try Jesus. You either commit to it and love it or you love the darkness. It never, it never goes part way. You can't be like partly light and partly dark. 
I'm not saying that we ever get perfect. What I am saying, though, is that the commitment of your life has to be engaged towards that which is light if you want to have a change in your life. I was talking with another lady who has recently made some new commitments in her life to, to, to God's word and to Jesus Christ and is attending our church and has been for a few months. And she's experiencing some issues in her life. And I just shared with her, you have got to make a decision that you are going to commit fully in the good times when it's easy to commit and in the bad times when it is not easy to commit. But the truth and the reality is some people will, will come into a church and they'll be a part, and we welcome everyone. But in their own hearts, they love the darkness. They keep being drawn back to it. You will either love the light or you will love the darkness. Jesus made it clear that you cannot be in the middle on all of this. You cannot say that you love the light and play around in the darkness. That's, that's false. That's phony. He said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. The point is, if you don't love the light with full devotion, you will love the darkness whether you want to admit it or not. That's where your heart lies. Going back now to John chapter one, verses four and five talk distinctly about Jesus being the light. It says here, in him was life, and this life was so unique that it was the light of all mankind. In other words, it did more than just give us breath. This life gave us revelation of God, of the reality of the existence of God. And then the light goes on and shines so piercingly in the darkness but the darkness cannot overcome it. There are two truths that are given in those two verses that I think are so important for us to understand about Jesus, the light. Number one, God's light is available to you, to you, to all people. God has no spiritual hierarchy. There aren't some people God loves more than others and therefore he gives them more light. His love is to all people. Verse four says it, that life was the light of all. Underline that in your, in your scriptures if, if it's not already. All, all, all of us. This light is available. There's no preferred people in the world. There's no preferred race. There is no one who is so good that they don't need God's grace, and there is no one who's so bad that they are beyond God's grace. There is a light that is available to all people. What does that light reveal? Probably many things, but there are three things that I want to just mention to you this morning that came to my mind. First of all, God's light reveals sin. That's right, sin. I know it's not a PC word today. We're not supposed to talk about sin. We're supposed to talk about mistakes. We're supposed to talk about weaknesses. We're supposed to talk about indiscretions. The Bible talks about sin. Do we have weaknesses and indiscretions? Certainly we do. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm saying that the core of the problem is not a mistake. The core of the problem is sin. And light, God's light will reveal sin. 
because sin thrives best in darkness, like a cockroach. When the light reveals its presence, the cockroach will run to get back into the darkness. Sin is like that. It only thrives until it is exposed. So one of the most important things that God's light does to us is to convict us of our sin. The reason is, that, is because sin is, is the destructive force that separates us from God. And God doesn't want you and me separated from him. If left unchecked, it will rob us of the possibility of healing in our lives, healing in our spirit, healing in our minds, change. It will rob us of, of salvation and eternal life. That's why God shines light on it. So you can know that it's there because if you don't admit that it's there, you can't deal with it. You won't. Secondly, God's light reveals truth. Truth does not waver. Truth is not a fluid thing. Truth is not like a, a wave being blown by the wind across the ocean, going back and forth. Truth doesn't care about public opinion. Truth is not PC. It doesn't change through new revelations. Truth is solid. Truth is firm. Truth is unchanging. And truth is knowable. What I'm saying is even if you have believed a lie in the past, it does not mean that truth doesn't exist. Just because lies are out there doesn't mean that there isn't truth. In fact, the more you pursue the truth, the more you will encounter that which is false. The more you will see a lie. But don't discard all truth because something you've believed in the past is proved to be false. God's word says that the light of truth is for all people. It's for you. It's, for, it's not like God says, I'm going to reveal myself more to certain people and less to others. He wants to reveal himself continually, fully to all people. In fact, I will go so far as to say that the amount of truth that you have in your life, the, the closeness uh, that you have with God is up to you. What you have in your life right now is what you want in your life right now. But if you desire more, God will pour more light into your life, into truth, into your life, if you're willing to see it, if you're willing to hear it, if you're willing to receive it. I say that, and this is important, because truth won't modify itself to fit your preferences. Truth doesn't change when it contacts us. Truth changes us. Number three, God's light reveals Jesus. It reveals him as God's savior. It reveals him as God's final solution to the sin problem that we all have. And we've all got the problem and it's a problem we can't fix. And so since we can't fix ourselves, the love of God sent his son Jesus to give us a way back, to show us a way back. That's who Jesus is. That's who the baby in the manger is. But his story doesn't stop in a manger. It goes all the way to a cross and then to a grave and then out of a grave as a risen savior to pay the price for your sin and for mine. He didn't deserve to be on that cross. I did. 
but he took my place and now he offers a gift and the gift is called salvation and if you will receive the gift you're not born into the gift the gift is not part of your of of your uh, citizenship in other words you don't have the gift because you live in america you have the gift because you have received the gift the second thing that I want to tell you today that this scripture reveals is that darkness can never overcome the light. Never will. Never can, never will. In verse number five, John says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love how the Living Bible puts the last part of that verse. It says, the darkness can never extinguish it. <clears throat> there are those who teach that the church had to be restored because God's original truth was lost. In other words, the light went out. And so the, the light had to be restored. But that's impossible if the founder and overseer of the church is the light of God, Jesus Christ. Because God's word says darkness can never overcome or extinguish it. Now there have been times in human history when the light was not very popular. And there have been times when the light was opposed and persecuted. There have been times when some who followed the light fell back into deception and darkness. And I will admit that there have been times when the light was dim, but the light was never extinguished. It never needed to be restored. Man's systems come and go. And we make a mistake if we equate man's systems with the light. Our systems, our religions can, if they're purely founded and functioning, they can direct us towards the light but they are never the light. You can join as many churches as exist on the face of the planet and still go to hell and still not have salvation because churches are not the light. You can be baptized until you, your skin looks like a prune and still go to hell because baptism doesn't save anybody. What saves us is Jesus the light of the world. God's truth and his kingdom never come and go. Jesus emphatically said it in Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. So what I'm telling you today is simply this. I'm telling you that there is a light and the light is still shining. It's the light of truth. And it's shining into the hearts of men and women all over the world. And the light has a name. His name is Jesus.
darkness, the absence of light. We lived in the light once, briefly, but we drove it away. I'm not sure we knew what we were getting ourselves into, but in the end, we brought this darkness upon ourselves. It became our home. Living in the dark can do funny things to a man. It turns his heart inward. You begin to wonder if there ever really was a light to begin with. Over the years, Try to drive the darkness away, to bring the light back, but I suppose creating light was never really our job. And then one day, something peculiar happened. Woke up to a, a strange glow on the horizon, almost as if a great light was approaching. We weren't quite sure if it was real, to tell you the truth, but it was very real indeed. The sun had returned.
Here at Life Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to lifechurchutah.com.